listening to the Good News Project podcast with Matt Jackson. You can send Matt feedback, topic suggestions, and prayer requests at goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com. Here's your host, Matt Jackson. Welcome to the Good News Project podcast. My name is Matt Jackson. I wrapped up my soccer season this past week, losing in the Sweet 16 of the state playoffs. It was bittersweet, but we went about four rounds deeper than I thought we'd go this year, so I can't complain all that much. But uh, the state finals actually getting underway uh, this coming Saturday up in Georgetown. It'll be real interesting to see how some of those teams do. But the pros are about to get going, including your team in orange, the Houston Dynamo, and Talk a little bit about that, about MLS start of the season and whatever else tickles our fancy, bringing in a gentleman who has covered the Dynamo for quite some time and he's back at it again. Corey Repkin, you can follow him on Twitter at RIP Sports and you can catch his Dynamo coverage at kickathouston.substack.com. Corey, really appreciate you uh, joining me on the podcast this week and uh, man, um, I know a lot of people have followed you when you covered the Dynamo previously. Give us like a thumbnail sketch of what your your sports journey has been like the last couple of years. So I was with the Chronicle for for a while. Then when the, when I got laid off, it was in March 2018. I really wanted to stay in newspapers, and so I applied for a bunch of jobs. Couldn't really find anything, and then a job I applied for at a really small newspaper near Knoxville, Tennessee. They, they called me the, the day I applied and they're like, well, what does someone who is with the Houston Chronicle want with us? And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm looking to, to get back into it. And, and, and I actually lived in Knoxville and the paper was about 15 minutes South of there. So, I mean, everyone's all about the university of Tennessee. And that was, uh, that was a, a pretty big, culture shock for me in terms of the journalism world and seeing kind of the, the big difference between what I was dealing with here with, you know, covering MLS and the NWSL and then covering an SEC football team. It was, it was night and day. So you, you have so many different outlets that are, that are going to cover an SEC team. And what's always interesting to me is how the journalism industry has evolved because you're dealing with, you know, a lot of internet uh, message boards that kind of, skirt the lines of following through on sources and what is opinion versus what is fact. So what was that experience like for you being in a you know, more of a pure newspaper background and competing against um, entities that maybe are aiming towards a different slant and a different audience? Yeah. You know, that, that was interesting. You know, there's so there for, the first thing that stuck out to me was just how much more media there was for an SEC football team than say, you know, covering the Dynamo and the Dash. And, um, you know, I, I know a lot more of it here in Houston is the Hispanic outlets, but up in Knoxville, I mean, you had, you had like every radio station was at every press conference. Every TV station was at every press conference. Every, every other media outlet, a newspaper, just an, or just an internet site. Um, you know, there were some internet sites that that I thought did well with it. Um, you know, like like Rivals has its own, and and two four seven Sports, they they all are pretty 
pretty good with, with, you know, just the strict journalism side. Now I will say that, that those, those outlets, they didn't, when there was bad news, they didn't really jump in on it and write a whole bunch of stuff about it. They didn't ignore it, but they weren't like trying to, to break that stuff. You know, it was more like if something was being broken, that was bad news. It was usually the Knoxville news Sentinel or the athletic, you know, and, and those are outlets that are, you know, they have a, a lot more journalism background. That's not to say that the people that worked at, you know, those other websites don't, they just, I think they knew that their audience was a little more of the fan that wants to hear the positive. So they kind of, you know, kind of guided everyone towards that. Um, but then you have, you know, a bunch of the smaller, um, less established sites that they didn't really do a whole lot of strictly journalism. They just kind of followed along and, and hit some highlights. Um, overall, it was a good experience, but it was definitely different. Uh, you know, I feel like uh, the, the, the Dynamo need more coverage for its own accountability as much as letting fans know what's going on, because it's almost like win, lose, or draw. Um, it, there's almost no pressure for them to do a whole lot if, they're, if the coverage isn't there. Would you agree with that sentiment, or do, do, you, do you think that it doesn't have that much of an impact? You know, I, I've, I, I, have, I have several friends, you know, on the beat that, you know, when, when I was here a few years ago and was doing it full time, you know, they talked about that and, and they follow the foreign leagues, like especially in Mexico. And they talk about the pressure, you know, the, the media kind of uh, applies pressure to these teams and these coaches to perform. And, you know, so it's out there and, you know, more people are going to talk about it if there's pressure, but, but I think you're right. You know, there hasn't been a whole lot of it um, here in Houston. And I mean, I, you know, I guess from the team standpoint, I, I don't really know how they look at it. You know, I guess they would want the positive stuff, but you know, in Houston, let's face it, you have an ownership that doesn't spend money, um, you know, so, so, but, and if there were more people aware of the fact that they don't spend money and that maybe that has something to do with why they don't, you know, they aren't consistently good within the league, then, you know, maybe that pressure would get to them. But, you know, I think there's also probably owners out there that don't care about that. You know, I think in, in the, in the grand scheme of things, there's probably more that do care than don't. Um, but, you know, I, I tried so many times to, to interview the, the majority owner of the Dynamo and interviews were just never granted to me. I, th I think he just kind of wants to be kind of in the background. And, you know, so so, you know, I, ha I have thoughts of, you know, why that might be, but I've never been able to confirm any of it because I don't get to talk to him. Corey Repkin covering the Houston Dynamo and the soccer scene here in Houston. And again, you can follow him on Twitter at RIP Sports and We'll give you a little information on the, uh, at the end of the interview of how you can uh, read uh, Corey's excellent soccer coverage on a daily basis. Well, the season is begun, uh, beginning this week. San Jose uh, going to be coming in. A, uh, a socially distant sellout is what they're, they're calling it over um, at uh, uh, BBBA Stadium. And, I, and I'll say that, you know, just going back a year, my family – we bought uh, we bought mini season tickets last year. We were really excited. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big English Premier League fan. I love soccer in general, but I'm a Premier League fan. But when my 
my then seven-year-old son said, hey, dad, I'd really like to get Dynamo season tickets. I was like, well, hell yeah, let's get some Dynamo season tickets. <laughs> so we went to the first game and, and Chicharito is one of my favorite players. So I was excited that, the you know, the Galaxy were in town. And um, so that was even more of a reason to go. And even though it was a tie and, and kind of a um, uh, rather uninspiring performance by both teams on that particular day, you know, the kids had a good time. And then, and then Corona breaks out and man, the MLS in general just felt so out of sight, out of mind. The fans weren't there. Obviously the Dynamo finished last and I don't even, it, it, it was so difficult uh, to follow. And, and just as a, as a fan watching the team, um, is that season viewed as a one-off or um, is there anything that the Dynamo took from last year at all as a guidepost into the next year? Well, you know, I, I think it, maybe it even helped them. You know, Tab Ramos was in his first season as head coach, you know, so even though there weren't as many games for him to, you know, to really sink his teeth into it, I think he probably had ample opportunity to kind of lay the foundation for, you know, what he wants this, this club to be moving forward, kind of his vision. Um, and, you know, they, they got, I think even though there weren't as many games, they got to see enough games out of the players they had to know who they wanted to keep and, and who could help them going forward. And I think you saw that with all the moves they made during the offseason. They were one of the more active clubs in the league. And, you know, they were pretty happy with what they did in the offseason. And they're, they're, they're talking a pretty good game, um, you know, going into this, this season. They're not, nah, sorry, they, they want to make the playoffs and they want to make a run. And honestly, in this league, if you can't make it as one of the top eight teams in your conference, then you're doing something pretty bad. But they, uh, yeah, I, I think they definitely got out of it kind of a vision of what Ty Ramos wants his club to be. And he had, it was a good starting point for him to kind of get going where people are really going to start paying more attention to exactly what he's doing this coming season. Well, Corey, you mentioned the roster turnover. There's no reason not to expect that in, in a season where you finish down towards the bottom. You know, the question I have when I look at kind of the raw, the moves that were made, I, I'm not exactly sure that I still see what the long-term philosophy is. Are they trying to be like Dallas in terms of like bringing up a bunch of young players and continuing to turn them over and then sell them off? Are, you know, are they uh, eventually going to try to find an owner who, you know, can spend a more, spend a little more money and, and go the design, the, the true designated player ticket seller type of route, or are they still trying to search for their identity? Man, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wish I had been able, I, I wish that I had have had the opportunity to talk to Gabriel Brenner, the owner on at least one occasion to ask him some of that. But, you know, to this point, they, I mean, he's shown no ambition towards wanting to bring in those high profile players toward, you know, and that will sell tickets. You know, they kind of just want want to, you know, make as much money as they can without spending. And, you know, let's face it, Major League Soccer is set up. So if eight teams make the 16 teams make the playoffs. Right. So, you know, look at the Dynamo from a couple years ago. And what was it? 2017. I mean, they get in the playoffs, they make a run, they're in the Western Conference Finals, like, you know, in, in, in a knockout, well, no, that they had they had the two legs at that point. But, you know, in, in that format, I mean, any team can get hot and make the playoffs, and all of a sudden you can say, hey, we were Western Conference champions, you know. 
and you know you know the next season doesn't go that well you win the u.s open cup championship and you know they made a big deal out of that but look at what they did in the league i mean they didn't do anything in the league and then they didn't do anything in the league in 2019 or or last year it's all going to come down to if the dynamo want to be a consistent player in major league soccer they need to have ownership that spends and so far this ownership group has not shown the willingness to do that and I really, you know, like I ask general manager, Matt Jordan, and I ask coach Tab Ramos, you know, are you guys going to sign any designated players? And they always talk about, you know, well, we, we think we want to do what, what we can do right now. And, and maybe we'll add a designated player down the road if we think they can help right away. You know, I, I'll give them credit. They're saying the right things for coaches and a GM that maybe knows that they're not going to get that, you know, big name player help at any point. Um, and I think they're, I, I think they've done well with what they have to work with. And, you know, the, when the season starts Friday, they'll have a chance to put it on the field. Are you convinced that say a Mexican national player sells out BBVA? Um, I, I think if it's not a sellout, it'll be darn close to a sellout. And I think it'll be a huge crowd on a regular basis. I mean, look where we are. You can't ignore the Hispanic influence. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget when I was, uh, when I was full-time with the Chronicle, um, at some point, um, the sports editor, I was in the office and he says, hey, do you think you can give me a, a story on the uh, Mexican national team? And I'm like, yeah, I can try to do that. Um, he never asked about the U.S. national team, you know, trying to get a story on that. Um, I mean, although we had more opportunity for that. But, I mean, that stood out to me, like, because that's that's what he that's what the sports editor said. Oh, this is what people are talking about. And I really think that's what people are, are talking about out there in Houston on a daily basis. You know, maybe more people would go to Dynamo games if they want on a regular basis. But. I don't think there's any doubt that if you have a big name player, if you had Chicharito or you had Carlos Vela, I mean, there would people, there would be people at these games filling up the stadium for sure. Yeah. I, I, I mean, shoot, I'd, I'd love to at least test the hypothesis. That's for sure. Cause that yeah. definitely means that there's, you know, progress in the making. Well, let's talk about the moves that, that were made. You know, the, the one that gets the most run is, is Tim Parker uh, coming over from the New York Red Bull really a guy that I'm surprised doesn't have more caps with the U S national team, given the success he had with Aaron long, you know, as a pairing with the red bulls for, for a couple of years. And, and maybe he'll, he'll get back into the good graces of, of Greg Berhalter and have a shot at it. The dynamo tended to leak a lot of goals towards the end of the season last year is Tim Parker enough to at least uh, write that ship and pr provide some uh, sturdy leadership at the back. You know, Tab Ramos and Matt Jordan talked a big game when they when they uh, when they uh, traded for him. I really noticed it when I saw him play against Dallas on uh, Saturday in the last preseason game. I mean, he's he's loud. He's everywhere. I mean, he, he's making he blocks everything. He, he's he's yelling at his teammates. I mean, from day one, this guy had the captain's armband. And I think the Dynamo knew. I'll, I'll give them credit for this. They knew they couldn't skimp on their biggest weakness, which was their back line. They had, they had to go make a big play there and they did. And the advantage that gives them now is maybe if the other center back isn't as experienced or as proven, then you have a guy next to him who can really help him along. 
And whether that center back ends up being Sam Yunkwa or if they put minor Figueroa in there or Alejandro Foynmayor, I mean, that person, I, I guess with minor, you don't really need that, that leadership to help him along, but he's a little bit older, probably lost a step. But you're, you're going to have someone there in Tim Parker who can clean up mistakes. You know, he's not going to clean up all of them. He's not going to make up all of all, all the bad stuff that happened to Houston last year. But, I mean, he's a large step in the right direction. And I, I really do think they hit a home run with that signing. Where are the goals going to come from, you know, given that La Pantarita is no longer here and, um, you know, he was a big part of some of the more successful counterattacking teams the last couple of years. You know, Carlos Quintero, Darwin Quintero, rather, is is certainly being counted on to score a lot of goals. The question is, is he a fit in Tab Ramos' system as somebody that maybe would rather play more centrally than on the outside? Is he a square peg in a round hole in Tab Ramos' system, or you think they're going to figure out a way to make it work? That part, I, I don't know yet. Um, I, I didn't get to watch them enough last season to, to, to really, you know, see the X's and O's play out on the field, but... I do know this, and I, I'm going to ask um, Tab more about this this week when we get a video conference with him. Darwin Quintero is not fit right now. He played – I mean, they, they played Dallas regular game, two 45-minute halves, and then they then they did a, a 45 another 45-minute period that was not televised. And just to get some of their other guys that are probably not going to play as much, um, just to get them some minutes against really good competition – well, Darwin Quintero played in that third 45 minutes. He didn't play. He wasn't a starter against Dallas. He didn't come on in the second half. He didn't come on in the last 15 minutes. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't think he was injured. I think he's just not fit. And I don't know where that comes from. I hope I get down. I hope I get some more details on that. But you're talking about your only designated player not being fit, you know, Fit, fit more than to be able to play 45 minutes as the season is about to start. And that's not a very good start. And then all the other guys you have, you know, Fafa Pico, uh, Maxi Rudy, uh, I mean, they've been productive in this league and I think they can be productive in Houston, but they have no chemistry right now. I mean, they're even talking about it. You look at the replay of that game against Dallas. I mean, Dallas, they just click in the, in the attacking third. I mean, they, they knew where their, their teammates were going to be. I mean, shoot, you even had Ryan Hollingshead for Dallas making a run to the through ball that led to a goal. I mean, he, he made a, a run to the six yard box um, and, and, and got a pass that led to a goal. I mean, it's, it's just, do, they incredible. Have, do you think they have enough guys that can beat people one-on-one? -on -one? That's, you know, that's something tab wants to see them do more of. I don't think we know that yet. I think maybe they can, but Tab wants to see them at least do it more. That's one thing he was disappointed in, um, you know, against Dallas. He's like, we need more people to do this. You know, he just doesn't think the confidence is there right now. And I think some of that comes down to chemistry. And so I think early in the season, there's going to be people talking about, well, is this attack better than it was last year, despite the new players? But I think chemistry will help, but I think it'll take time to get there. Well, Corey, really appreciate your time. Looking forward to uh, following you on the uh, and the Chronicle and certainly your newsletter as well. And again, if you want to follow Corey, you can follow him on Twitter at RIP Sports. Corey, thank you so much, and uh, we'll uh, touch base with you down the road. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, Corey, man, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Not a problem. Thanks for reaching out. Tell me something.
You've been listening to the Good News Project podcast with Matt Jackson. To reach out to Matt with feedback, topic suggestions, and prayer requests, email goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com. Tell me that you like it, yeah.